What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. We are approaching the International Day of Peace this week on September 21st, and though it feels unlikely we'll see that materialize globally, I do hope that peace finds you wherever you're at this week, and at the very least, while you listen to today's show. Here's what's coming up. A new national survey conducted by the Canadian Women's Foundation reveals the top challenges parents and caregivers believe their children aged 9 to 19 have faced over the past two years. Andrea Gunraj, Vice President of the Canadian Women's Foundation, joins me to share the alarming results and how best we can address these issues with our kids and others in our community. Ever wonder about the swag celebs receive at TIFF? Wonder no more. Jessica Glover from Glow Communications joins me to share what A-list celebrities will receive in their rooms from her annual TIFF event, Basket Style, and perhaps may give you a little inspiration for something new in your life. Anne Brody is here with New Entertainment, and this week we take a look at See How They Run, a British whodunit with a fun twist, Tiff Gem, Stellar, and Something You Said Last Night, and The Swearing Jar, available in theaters now. Not everyone enjoys budgeting, but in today's financial climate, it's important to keep tabs on our dollar bills, so I'm re-airing an interview with Kelly Keen, author of Rich Girl, Broke Girl, who shares details about her anti-budget budget and gives some advice to women looking to take control of their finances. When we look at successful people, we often only see the tip of the iceberg, that 10% above the water, but we fail to comprehend the other 90% below the surface that has propelled them to the top, the proverbial blood, sweat, and tears. Julie Ellis, co-founder of Mabel's Labels, takes a deep dive on what we don't see in her new book, Big Gorgeous Goals, How Bold Women Achieve Great Things, which includes stories from 16 female entrepreneurs who have founded great businesses and done amazing things. Finally, the spooky season is here until the end of October, so it's fitting that Anne Brody is back for a second time this week with an interview with three of the stars from the Vampire Academy, who share what it's like to be undead in this new modern series available on W Network. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. The results of a new national survey conducted by the Canadian Women's Foundation reveals the top challenges parents and caregivers believe their children aged 9 to 19 have faced over the past two years. With summer break over and most kids back in the classroom, those challenges are front and center right now. Andrea Gunraj, Vice President of Public Engagement at the Canadian Women's Foundation, joins me to share some of the results of this recent survey and how we can best support kids that are struggling. Welcome back, Andrea. Thanks for having me. So when did, was this survey conducted? It was done in August. So we were looking forward to the back to school time, recognizing that parents and caregivers would have really particular concerns for their young people aged 9 to 19. You know, that, that tricky time when young people's brains are developing and, and social um, interactions are developing. 
And I feel that many of the results that we saw were not entirely surprising. A sense of low self-esteem, lack of confidence, bullying, lack of belonging, this isolation, uh, mental health concerns. And this, really interesting to me, one in three say that their children are struggling with unhealthy relationships. So for me, that really puts a fine point on the work that we have to do when it comes to teaching and practicing healthy relationships in the classroom. So when I looked at this, I was alarmed to be honest, because there are five key challenges that you that you share, and I was alarmed to see it's almost fifty percent of kids in every instance are struggling with these things. Did this surprise you, or was there something else in the survey that sort of jumped out and caught your eye? Well, in a sense, I can't say that I'm fully surprised. I know that we've heard all over the country, every pro every province and territory, and the programs that we run, we've heard that young people have really had a tough time. But I think this one really jumped out to me, that parents and caregivers feel that their youth are not uh, well equipped to deal with things like um, sexual harassment in public and at school, discrimination based on sexual orientation, mental health concerns. You know, all of these things are competencies that anybody needs to have. Certainly even grown adults don't have. So we really have to think about the kinds of interventions that work in schools and the kinds of interventions that actually speak to young people. And I really think that's the community-based programs, the kinds of things that the Canadian Women's Foundation absolutely funds for girls and for a gender diverse youth, recognizing that all young people need these skills for healthy relationships. When these, these the challenges that are listed, you know, these challenges could happen pretty much any time in history. But was there, do you think the pandemic has played a part in making it worse? on these issues? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, this is one survey, but we've seen so many surveys over the last two years talking to young people about mental health in particular. And many young people with a, a strong uh, point on young women, um, gender diverse youth and racialized youth were saying that they felt their mental health was just in a decline. Um, so I think things have gotten worse in the pandemic. People have not uh, have the certainty and the kinds of um, expectations of what life should be like met. And certainly when young people are developing, you know, social interactions are a really important part of their lives. They're trying to uh, create their own identity, create their own space apart from the parents and their caregivers and their family. And this becomes very difficult to do. So again, I worry about what this means on the long term. We know that when young people get what they need at a young age, they're set up for life in a sense. And we know that when young people witness gender-based violence, things like emotional abuse, sexual assault, uh, intimate partner abuse, when they witness it or experience it at a young age, they tend to then have that pattern in their lives later on. So if we want to look at strategically what we're going to do to reduce violence and increase safety, we have to really look at that kind of intervention now at that 9 to 19 year, year age where, you know, young people really learn how to behave and how to uh, treat one another and how to uh, get respect from one another as well. Yeah, when I think about the last couple of years and sort of this lack of social interaction, I think about a lot of kids. I mean, certainly my kids did. I myself am guilty of spending an inordinate amount of time on the internet and falling down these rabbit holes of things. And we've seen most recently, I can think of an example uh, of Andrew Tate, uh, who, you know, a lot of younger boys were following him and nobody was giving them context of what they were watching. So 
are the kind of community programs you offer, are they things that offer things like media literacy and being critical of what they're seeing on screen? You know, thank you so much for mentioning that. That's absolutely the kinds of things that our community programs focus on. Media literacy is a good one. Being able to challenge things like gender stereotypes, um, things like stereotypes about different groups of people, whether that be 2SLGBTQI people, whether that be, um, you know, racialized people, newcomer people. The only way that you really learn these things and practice them is be able to do it in a group. And that's where it's so unnatural to just do it all in the digital context. The digital context can have its pluses. Don't get me wrong. A lot of these programs did have to go into that connection. But being able to do that in a space with your peers where you have good mentorship, good guidance, even connection with elders. You know, a lot of the indigenous programs that we support have this vital intergenerational space. So important for you to be able to kind of check yourself and be able to check other people and do it in a way that is community focused, where people are doing it peer to peer. People do not listen to their parents. They don't listen to teachers as much as they listen to each other. So getting that is so powerful. I remember I was part of a a Canadian Women's Foundation funded program when I was 19. This was the most formative time in my life. When I learned about healthy relationships, I didn't know the ingredients for healthy relationship. I thought that abuse was love. This is where it broke down for me. Oh my gosh, I understood because people my age were telling me things and I took it in. And here I am today, you know, feeling that that was the thing that I learned more than anything and it's more than in school. You know, uh, you're talking about these community programs and I'm, I'm curious, how do you find the programs to partner with? These programs can be running different places like community centers, like shelters run some of these programs. Sometimes they're run by First Nations uh, and groups themselves, nations themselves. They are taking so many different forms. They can be sports-based. They can be uh, crafts-based. So interesting how diverse these programs are. The way that we've done it is really through long-term relationships with gender justice-facing organizations and community activists and leaders who are actually doing this successfully. They're the ones who bubble to the top and say, listen, we've got this great program that we need you to fund. We have young people who have these needs. They're the ones that lead the way. And we have these relationships in every province and territory. So I feel so um, blessed to be able to see what they do, take the lead from them. And actually what they do influences us, what we fund into the future. I think these programs are honestly just incredible kind of kickstarters for the kinds of healthy relationships that perhaps you don't get a chance to practice in the classroom. You know, consent and healthy relationships educations, people don't necessarily know this. It's not necessarily in schools. Not every school board even addresses it. And certainly it's kind of inconsistent across territories and provinces. So this is the kind of programming that fills that gap that you might experience in the classroom. Even if your kids are going to school, they may not be getting this. So we're heading out, you know, obviously this is what she said, and I realize you help boys and girls, uh, uh, you know, across the country, but we are going up to uh, the uh, International Day of the Girl on October 11th. So do you have any programming or anything special leading up to this or on that day happening that we should know about? Well, actually, you know, I would uh, shout out to Plan Canada, one of our partners. They do so much stuff every year for the International Day of the Girl. So I would 
uh, definitely check out what they got going on. Also say as well to, you know, check out Got Your Back. We have this campaign going on that's really about supporting the programs in every province and territory for girls, for gender diversity. I ask people to go to CanadianWomen.org and just check out the programs that we have available there. Look at what you might be interested in in your own community and think about how you can support. This is a campaign. It's all about fundraising to make sure that these programs can continue again at this uncertain time where we still don't know what's going on with the pandemic. So uh, if you have the opportunity to support this campaign, Got Your Back, I'd ask that you do. And even if you can't support in your money, but you can learn more and you can, um, you know, Start speaking about some of the things that we're talking about with your own young people in your life, whether they be your kids or, you know, kids that um, you have in the community, your nieces, nephews. I'd ask that you um, start having these healthy relationship conversations. Just ask questions. And it's always a great place to listen to what young people are going through and being able to support them from there. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. Always a wealth of information, and I so appreciate the information you bring to us. I think a lot of people would be are going to be surprised to hear some of these statistics today. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Do you ever wonder what's in those fancy swag bags celebrities and VIPs receive at events? Well, today we have an inside peek. Jessica Glover is the founder of Glow Communications and Basket Style, a unique gifting opportunity at TIFF, which hand delivers products directly to select stars in their hotel rooms. So what's hot for 2022? Jessica joins me now to share. Welcome to What She Said, Jessica. Thanks for having me. So I guess what's hot in 2022 is that this is an in-person event again. It is. It's so nice to be back. Uh, COVID put a little uh, damper on it for the past two years, but it's nice to be back in person. And we had the event uh, on September 7th at the Royal, uh, sorry, the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. I was there. It, what a stunning uh, setting for, for your event. And so tell me, uh, so I was part of the media day. So I was able to come in, see, um, you know, what the celebrities were going to be getting, even receive some goodies of my own. Um, so tell me, what about, where? how do you curate all these products that uh, celebrities will receive? Well, we basically start reaching out to sponsors uh, in about March, April and kind of see what's new and unique that's out there. So we start scavenging it at that point in time. So it's really kind of exciting to see what comes to us for basket style uh, for the summer. And what, so tell the, tell me then, what's in the bag this year that, you know, really got you excited? Well, first of all, uh, we basically have Madinat, which is a Canadian designer bag. They're from Montreal. They're vegan bags. So we have those as the celebrity bags this year, which are really, really cool. Um, we also have Ren Vodka. So Ren Vodka is a Canadian company uh, that launched. It's available at the LCBO. So they were showcasing 
uh, their new product, which is very cool. And SodaStream, I mean, I'm pretty excited about this. SodaStream launched their SodaStream Art. It's a really beautiful, small appliance, and it's retro. When you see it, you're just going to kind of want it for your kitchen. I was going to say, so I did, I, I, you know, when I was at the event, I saw it. And I used to have a soda stream. I have no idea where it's gone to. <laughs> but <laughs> this one that I saw at the event, I thought, oh, this is so pretty. I would want to keep it out all the time. It's just a beautiful piece to even have on your counter. It's gorgeous. And the handle, it's retro. It's just really a nice piece for the kitchen. All right. And you also had Sue A there, which was very uh, exciting to see because A, affordable, but beautiful products for your skin. The packaging is gorgeous. So it's a really good price point. Everything is about, I think it starts about $4 and it goes up to about $25. Um, And they were showcasing a cleanser, a moisturizer, And they had uh, also mask and lip masks there as well. So I think, you know, celebrities will really kind of dig that after a press day, be able to kind of sit back and put this on and hang it in their hotel rooms. And I imagine they're going to slip into Kit and Ace in their hotel room as well. Oh, yes. Uh, Kit and Ace, we basically, their product, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe because it's so soft. Like you have to feel the product to kind of understand that fabric. Um, We had their brush French cherry pieces on site and it's just this glorious soft fabric. Um, So they're basically getting, it's a sleep set almost that they get. So they'll be able to kind of um, slip into that at the end of the day as well. I have to say, so I, you know, I, I got to get up close to these, these pieces at your event and I agree with you. I cannot get over how soft this material is. I've never felt anything quite like it in a fabric. So uh, if people are listening and can find themselves near a kitten A store or can order online, you absolutely have to touch it to believe it. It is incredibly soft, perfect for the winter. All right, excellent. So tell me then about some of the celebrities you intend to deliver this to this year. Well, the celebrities, we always kind of reach out to top talent that are visiting to Toronto. So it's it's discreet gifting. So it's one of those things where we can't announce yet who's getting it. But I can kind of say in past years, we have gifted the top of the top talent. So we've gifted like Matt Damon, Jennifer Garner, Julianne Moore, Naomi Watt, uh, John Legend, Sir Elton John. The list, it's over. It, it's so long. We, this is our 12th year doing it. So and it's very discreet uh, gifting. I love it. Now, if people are listening and they want to check out the products for themselves, uh, do you have them listed somewhere? Do you share them somewhere? Uh, we don't have them listed online, unfortunately. Um, but you can find out more about Basket Style online at glowcommunications.ca. Okay, perfect. And I did, I did, do believe I saw all of the sponsors listed there. So people can go check them out um, and see what's hot this year, what's coming out, what the celebrities are getting. Uh, and if people want to follow along with Glow Communications or Basket Style, are there social channels they can go to? Uh, you can follow the hashtag Basket Style 2022. You can also go to Glow. Uh, underscore calm to check out our social and see what's being gifted and also glowcommunications.ca. Amazing. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.
me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody, who is here with all kinds of new entertainment to keep us amused. Anne, what do you got? Well, I've got some theatrical releases and I've got some TIFF reviews for things that are coming up very, very soon. Uh, let's start with See How They Run, which is in theaters. And it, it connects very cleverly to Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. You know that uh, production, the, the, on, the play that's been running in London. It ran for 16 years without interruption until the pandemic and it's back on. So Adrian Brody plays this Hollywood producer who goes to London to see whether he can make a movie out of the mousetrap. And uh, it follows formula of the, of the original. He is the least liked character in the play, so he gets murdered. In comes a world-weary detective, played by Sam Rockwell, and his eager rookie, played by Sorsha Ronan. <laughs> and it's just so much fun. It is witty and light and bouncy. Those British series just are are so much so smart just so smart um so they investigate and uh they the art direction the the um 1953 london it's just breathtaking and we meet a lot of important figures uh of the era like a young dick attenborough and also david oyelowo is in it with ruth wilson just a total treat see how they run Awesome. And light and bouncy, I'm all for it. You know yeah. I like the things that lift the spirit, so that sounds perfect. Tell me about Stellar. Man, this is interesting. Darlene Naponce's uh, TIFF film starring Elmaya Tailfeathers, who I love. Um, okay, so they're sitting in a bar, and we hear a myth. Um, it's a dilapidated bar in Sudbury, and outside the window there's fires, people running, chaos, sirens, everything. Indoors, they talk about a myth about uh, an asteroid hitting Earth, which goes to indigenous myths. Mother Earth willfully splitting the ground, the serpent swimming again, and the origins of the copper and metal there, which is where all the mines are. So they, <laughs> they talk about so many issues that involve indigenous life today, and hark back to the past. And there's great scenes, the contrasts of the bar with the mines, with the world of nature. Uh, and, and they have to decide whether to spend the remaining time that they have running outside, helping people, getting help, or just staying in the bar. Honest to God, it is absolutely amazing. And Ross of Sutherland plays the bartender, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, so that I can't wait for it to open for everyone to go and see. So we'll have interviews and a bigger review when it does. Amazing. Uh, I thought the swearing jar looked very interesting. Oh, man, it's good. It seems like sort of a regular romance. Um, a woman is married to a guy. They're very, very close. Uh, she's pregnant. Um, and then it cuts to a scene. She's in a, a coffee shop. Very, very sad. And a barista introduces himself to her and they begin kind of a romance but she runs away and you're like well how is this happening well there's a tremendous twist in it um and the writer uh is who won um it, it, kate hewlett the uh, play was um nominated for governor general's literary award you watch two-thirds of it weighing her moral sense and loyalty and then boom, 
And it's just life happening, life unfolding. And Kathleen Turner plays her mother-in-law. My God, it's incredible. What a performance. Uh, I was delighted to see her in the trailer. Yeah, uh, right? Kathleen yeah. Turner is a great actress. Oh, yes. And she came to Toronto. It's it's Toronto all over. And uh, it's just a joy to watch. And that twist. Incredible. All right. What else do you have for us this week? Something you said last night. Really interesting. It's about a family of four. Uh, mother, father, uh, grown kids going away for a vacation. It's never said, and no one really discusses it other than to say how they support her. But it's a trans woman. She has zero body issues. They go out swimming at the lake. She wears a string bikini. Um, total acceptance. Um, however, at points when she goes out partying with her sister, you can see that she's looking at the landscape, looking around her, being very cautious and wary because clearly she's had run-ins before. Um, it's kind of a slice of life. It takes place over a couple of days and it's really intense. So that's a good one. Very good one. Carmen Madonia is the actor. Wow. <sighs> yeah, highly recommended. <laughs> Okay, is that one in theaters, Anne, or? Uh, not yet. Coming up. It's a TIFF. Uh, it's a TIFF one. Selection. Okay, great. All right, so you've got all of these, plus a whole lot more that we didn't have time to get to today, over on whatshesaidtalk.com. You're going to be back later in the show with an interview uh, with the stars of Vampire Academy, which yeah. is uh, <laughs> perfect, just in time for spooky season. Uh, so thank you very much, Anne, and we'll see you next week. Awesome, Candace. See you next week. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. feeling the pinch on our wallets right now, so I thought it would be a good time to revisit an interview I did with Kelly Keene at the end of 2021 about her latest book titled Rich Girl, Poor Girl. Kelly joined me to share some of the topics she covers in her books on everything from discussing finances with your partner, to negotiating the salary you deserve, to controlling your financial destiny. She also talks about being anti-budget, which goes against the grain for most financial experts, but for those of us that struggle with balancing a budget, this might just be the advice you need to hear. Here's Kelly's interview right now. Great to be with you again, Candice. This is a timely book, I think, for women, especially coming out of this pandemic. There's been some uh, wealth lost, uh, although we are two years away from apparently controlling more than half of it in this country. So what are some of the topics you cover in this book that women should really, really know well? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, unfortunately, studies still reveal, Candice, that women are not fully leaning into their finances. Now, that is, you know, painting with broad strokes. There's lots of women that are stepping up to the table. Um, but the shocking number that we came across, that I came across when when researching the book was that 
42% of female breadwinners are still deferring to their spouse when it comes to financial matters. So we really want to change that number, especially with women, you know, as you said, setting to, you know, being set to control so much more of, of the wealth. So what we cover in the book, you know, I think, dare I say, is kind of fun. Um, it's, you know, it's not the typical textbook of what is a TFSA, what is an RSP. Uh, you know, we've got 10 chapters with with really diverse characters, um, you know, ranging from everything from, um, you know, one of one of the characters accidentally moving in with her her um, girlfriend and not realizing how quickly she became almost in the position of being like married, right? Just like moved in during the pandemic or, you know. Um, divorce, uh, not leaning in and claiming the wealth that's surrounding her, if it's negotiating her salary, uh, leaning into grants and tax advantages and employer benefits. We're actually leaving three to four billion dollars of employment benefits on the table every single year. So what readers will find is uh, a lot of really interesting characters that I hope they can see themselves in many, if not all or parts of them you know, their mishaps, the lessons that I want them to learn. And then, of course, the happy ending once they employ what it is that that we wanted them to learn financially. So do you give women uh, a script or some ideas to follow? Because I think inherently these these conversations, for some reason, are very hard for us to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that. Um, actually, I've been interviewed a number of times where we actually did create scripts like, you know, exactly how do you ask your boss for a raise? How do you um, have that conversation with your kids or your spouse when it comes to finance? And I don't have a Canadian stat, but in the U.S., just to give you an idea, 41% of couples don't know what the other one earned. Like, how can you get on the same page financially when you don't know what your spouse earns? So yes, the book is peppered with, you know, Ways to kind of see how these characters and, and maybe maybe the readers them, themselves can see where, oh, gosh, yeah, I didn't even realize that that's a conversation that I needed to have or how to have it or where to go and get the support uh, or the skills to to increase your confidence to do it. And yes, we do walk the reader through all of that because you're right. Sometimes it's like, OK, you know that you need to have the talk with your spouse or employer, your kids, whomever. But how do you have it? How do you start it off? Uh, and, and, and how do you move through sometimes very uncomfortable conversations? Let's talk about financial goals for a second, because I think that we realize we're supposed to be doing all these things, but it can seem very, um, I guess it's huge. It's mm-hmm. huge task. So how do we break it down into manageable chunks? Yeah. And I mean, that's really, I like to look at it like health, Candice, because that can also be very overwhelming, right? Like if you find yourself in a position where you really didn't pay attention to your health, maybe there's a health scare, where do you even start? Do you start with diet? Do you start with exercise? What do you do? It's very overwhelming. And it can be the same with finances. Maybe a person finds themselves in their 40s or 50s or or even late 30s with a lot of debt and they haven't started saving. And you know, they just don't even know where to start. We, we definitely walk through all of that and how to really chunk it down, how to also use your technology and your digital calendar to help kind of get it all out there. Um, and then, you know, hold yourself accountable either with a financial professional or if that's not possible or feasible or not just a, a route that you want to go down. Certainly there's the DIY aspect. 
But the most important part is knowing what you don't know, uh, getting that all out. If it means just things like getting it all out of what you owe, when those minimum payments are due, how much is due, uh, getting it in your digital calendar so you're always reminded, the automation. Now, this sounds like a lot, but we're going to walk you through step by step of what is the most important, then tackling the next thing next week, next month. Uh, there's no magic formula, right? It's really, it's kind of like what I say, again, if it were January 2nd and you were wanting to get in physical shape, you would have to do three things. You'd weigh in because you got to know where you are, pleasant or not. You would start counting your calories and you would probably reach out for some type of help, going to a doctor, personal trainer, nutritionist. It's the same with our finances. Got to weigh in, figure out where you're at. You've got to track your financial calories because that's if you're you make a lot of money or you don't make a lot of money, where that money is going is super important. And lastly, is knowing when to reach out to the professionals. If it's a an accountant, a financial advisor, your banker, a, a nonprofit credit counselor, really understanding when you need help and uh, how important it is to reach out because when self-diagnosed when it comes to our health, but we certainly I do I know a lot of women are listening to this and when they hear, you know, addressing your financial health and saving money, they feel that it equates to no fun in your life. What would you say to them? Yeah. Uh, I don't count my actual calories and I generally don't count my financial calories. However, I do do it twice a year and that's where I have my 30-day anti-budget challenge because like diets, I don't think budgets work. Now, for those that are listening that do budget, they've got the spreadsheet. My general manager, she loves to track her numbers. That works for her. That doesn't work for me. I don't find that fun. But what I do do and make my husband do with me as well is every 30 days, we just get really mindful about our money. We track everything that we spend. And this doesn't have to be a big ordeal. If you bank with one bank and you use one credit card, one debit card, they're going to do a lot of that tracking and categorization for you. So the first part is it's an exercise in behavioral awareness. You just want to be aware, like, where's your money going? Um, then what you want to do is see the categories it's going into. Because when we look at traditional budgets, you know, if someone says to you, you should only be spending, I don't know, four, $500 a month on groceries and eating out, but your family's spending seven, what's the likelihood you're actually going to stick to what quote unquote the budget should be. So you want to really make this personalized for you. Then you multiply it by 12. So you see what you're actually spending throughout the year. Now, this can be a huge eye opener. And it is for me every single time. Like how much are we spending on subscriptions? How much are we spending on whatever it is? It might be, you know, debt repayment. It might be, um, you know, entertainment, whatever it is. There's no judgment. It's about choice and awareness. And you simply, you know, go through and go, hmm, wow, you know, I thought I had no money for an RSP. I thought I had no money for a vacation. I thought there was no money here. But in fact, if we just, you know, scale back a little bit, wow, that could produce another few hundred, few thousand dollars a year. So again, not about sacrifice, not about uh, foregoing fun. It's just about, do you know where your money's going? And would you still choose to have it go there in the future? And you don't have to do it every day. Just do it for 30 days, once or twice a year. It's, it's a huge eye-opener. So where can women women find uh, Rich Girl, Broke Girl? Yes, so you can find it uh, in stores on December 15th. You can find it on Amazon, Indigo Chapters, and of course, your, your favorite local bookstore as well. 
And you are always sharing stuff on social media as well. Uh, so where can people connect with you online? Yeah, awesome. Thank you at kellykeen.com, kellykeen on Twitter and kellykeenbiz on Instagram and Facebook. Incredible. Kelly, thank you so much for uh, joining me. I can't wait to read this book. Oh, thanks, Ken. It's so great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Do you feel like you're trapped in a small box just waiting to do something bigger? If so, then it's time to establish some big, gorgeous goals with my next guest, Julie Ellis. Julie is an author, keynote speaker, and leadership coach, as well as the co-founder of Mabel's Labels, one of Canada's greatest small business success stories. Her new book, Big Gorgeous Goals, explores the stories of over a dozen women entrepreneurs to inspire other women to carve out a space of their own. Welcome to the show, Julie. Hi, Candace. Thanks for having me. I love the title of the book, and I suspect I might know the inspiration, but you know, what inspired you to, to write this for other women? Well, we did lots of, we set lots of big, gorgeous goals at Mabel's Labels, and we did lots of things where people told us, you can't do that, or that's crazy, or, you know, we were always thinking kind of outside the box in terms of the limits we put on ourselves. And after I left Mabel's Labels, when we sold it in 2015, I sort of found myself out in the world and I struggled to find a new, find something new to climb for. I was on a plateau. We'd been climbing for a pinnacle for a long time and I struggled. And, and when I struggled, my world kind of got smaller and smaller. And so I had to really get back to that big goal setting, that out of the box you know, crazy thinking that had really driven me in my previous career to figure out what I was going to do next. That's really interesting that you say that because, you know, you you did come off of something very successful, very big. You made this, you, you created this great big company. And I think a lot of people feel when they attain something like that, there's this struggle for what's next. How do I top that? Did you feel a pressure a big pressure, you know, and you're kind of sitting there thinking is the best thing I ever did in my rearview mirror. And that is a paralyzing thought. And, you know, and I think I had this, um, I had grief over, you know, a natural grieving process of selling the business, leaving the business and the change that brought. And I had a lot of gratitude, but the two, I could not figure out how to fit them together and how to talk about my grief without looking ungrateful for what had happened. And so it kind of froze me. How did you find the women who you feature in your book? How did you find those women? Some of them I know. And uh, my last question in every interview was, who else do you think I should know that I should talk to for this book? And so then it sort of led me, you know, down a path of speaking to some really interesting people who've done all kinds of different things who are, you know, women who their, their circle would, would think they're amazing and the big, gorgeous goals they've done. But what I inevitably learned is it's the 10% of the iceberg that sits above the water. All those goals have a system and people and processes that sustain us and allow us to reach for big things. But of course, 
you know, we see the highlight reel of people's goals, right? Where we see the great things they've done, but we don't actually really think a lot about, you know, what actually happened to allow them to get there. I really like that you asked that. I do this with every interview I have as I ask people, you know, who else should I speak to? I've never run out of great women to feature on this show. And I really love that whole message of empowerment that women are always willing to prop up another women. That's a message we don't give a lot. Uh, you know, we hear the opposite of, you know, women are catty and so on. But I think that's false and hooey. So I really love that uh, one interview led you to the next for this. Um, so, you know, are there actual hands-on tips here that people can start implementing into their life to establish big, gorgeous goals for themselves? Yeah. So I talk a lot in the book about sort of how you need to say no, like we're all, we live on our busy lines, right? And and so how are you going to create some space for for this kind of dreaming and goal setting um, that's bigger than, you know, it's bigger than your to-do list and the boxes that we check as we get things done as we go through our days. So making that white space to really clear your mind and think and dream is important. And then there's some systematic things um, that I talk about in the book as well, like making good and efficient decisions and systems for delegating. Because, you know, we all get promoted and then we start managing people and then we realize that we're not getting back the work we need because we actually haven't outlined it very well or we haven't set the right level of expectations. But you can't thrive if you don't learn how to do some of those things well. And, you know, you mentioned too that you, um, you know, we have this sheet that you fill out prior to the interview and you say to find a group. Now, something that I've been hearing a lot is that women are struggling to find a group. So do you have tips for them to to reach out to others like that helps them find the the group that will lift them up uh, as they reach for their goals? Yeah. So some of the things I've done are, you know, go to events and now we're back kind of out in the world, but looking for places that other women entrepreneurs would be. And then you, you know, find and start putting together a group of people. And again, it's the, who do you know that you want to bring to this group? Who do you think could really use this? And so it's a combo between sort of organized and organizing your own self and putting something together that uh, serves you. I love it. Uh, Especially the part about white space. I think that's something we're just not giving ourselves enough of anymore. We're constantly attached to our phones and computers. Uh, I want people to get this book, Julie, uh, and and start implementing these tips into their life. So where can they find it? They can find the book at Indigo or on Amazon. All right. And they can keep up with you where? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Big Gorgeous Goals and at the Julie Ellis. And you'll also find me on LinkedIn. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Julie. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. And Brody is back this week with an interview with three of the stars from the Vampire Academy, which begins airing September 18th on W Network, just in time for spooky season. 
here at St. Vladimir's. We all know the dangers that lurk outside our gates. I want to do my sworn duty. I want to protect my best friend from danger. Okay, ladies, this seems to me as though it's a got a very specific mythology and sort of backstory. And I wonder if, Mia, we'll start with you, if you can tell me just a little bit about it. <laughs> oh, the hardest question of them all. <laughs> um, so basically, um, we're at a boarding school that isn't just a boarding school. Mm. It's um, full of vampires and how they navigate their political system and the different classes within this vampire world. Some of them possess elemental magic. Um, a lot of them are in it for political power. Mm -hmm. um, others are training to protect the vampires of a higher status. And then amongst that, we have a lot of love and romance and then a lot of action and then a lot of everything else you could ever possibly want. So whew, that's kind of to sum it up. <laughs> that was so good. Was that good? That, that was great. great. That, was, that was the spiel. That was, that was great. Thank you. That was like... <laughs> now, Anita Joy, tell me a little bit, uh, if you would elaborate on the romance. Oh. I think that's everything, something everyone is interested in. Yeah, I mean, well, the romance happens between several characters. Several characters have their own sort of romantic journeys that they go on. Um, and it's very, it's very uh, heartwarming, I, I would say, to see these romances sort of play out. Um, I can't Vampires, speak for Tatiana. Okay. Yeah, they, <laughs> yes, it's very heartwarming. Um, Tatiana doesn't really have one. Uh, really, so I can't really speak of my own. But it's very lovely watching these two have their, their sort of, <laughs> their situationship. Rianne, um, is there, you think people will be really interested in the, um, as in Downton Abbey and, and other series of, of that mold, in the place and the costuming? Do you think it'll be sort of a whole other world that it takes on? Oh, I do hope so. I think it's definitely got the it's got the potential for it, without mm -hmm. a doubt. Um, the the world itself is is so epic and so interesting, and there's so much contradiction in the in the costuming and, and in the world, and also the, the you know the the sets we were working on, they're not green screen sets. They built everything. Mm -hmm. We were at that castle. They built that training field. They built everything you see. They built so. the school. The school, the whole thing, yeah. Like every every oh, time you come word. back to set, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you something. I read your cast uh, cast and crew list. It's huge. So this is a yeah. big budget <laughs> production. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we at the end. Of, it opens in September. Um, we are interviewing you in advance, and so how are you going to feel between now and then? Counting down the seconds. <laughs> yeah. I like, was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I feel like it'll be, it, it, the excitement will probably morph into a bit of fear. fear. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not trepidation. Is that maybe like that kind of like, ooh. Yeah. But like it's yeah. like mixed with like excitement, but there's also like fear. Yeah. Yeah. And I truly believe people are going to. Oh, I there's don't doubt. There's something for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I don't doubt that, yeah, everyone will find something they love in this. Yeah. It's just scary because obviously it's something we worked very hard at yeah. for a very long time. So it's kind of like and handing that over now. Yeah, and we love. Um, but now kind of going, okay, everyone, 
Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look. Yeah. What do you think? You must prepare Lissa for a new role as the head of the Dragomir family. And Rose? She'll do her duty. I'm the royal princess that needs protecting. Rose gives and gives, and I take and take. But I can be a leader who ruled not just for the royals, but for all citizens. Whether you wear the crown or not, you have the power to change things. You know, when I'm looking at that castle behind you, I'm assuming it's it's yours. So already I am in hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> Yay! You know, at least a little bit is just right up people's alley. And I think it's a really lovely escape from the realities of the world yeah. today. Um, 100%. 100%. Even though it's vampires. So tell me why vampires are good. Oh, gosh. I mean, the... It's got that element of danger. Mm, They've got yeah. that little just like edge of like, oh, like something could go wrong here. Yeah. yeah. And but mystery. Yeah. yeah. And they like I think I feel like it just keeps you on the edge of your seat and you're just like constantly gripped because yeah. you feel like you're in a human kind of environment yeah. but then you're quickly reminded that you're not yeah right? that's yeah. it you're Chilling dealing with a lot neck. of human situations and human yeah. emotions yeah and then throw in like supernatural yeah. powers yes and we we're, we're creatures that exist in the day so there's just something a little bit like like these these things that like live in the dark and live at night yeah. it's like yeah. i don't yeah. know it's it's something um, yeah it's something where it's like it's it's so it's such a different world, but then also so close to home at the same time. Yeah, so it's exactly. kind of like, you're like, oh, I could actually be yeah. in this. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank, Thank you. Crown. There's something strange happening. I think I can help you. Christian is a non-starter for a lot of people. Crown. I'll be discreet. Of course, I want to put you first, but I can't. You can either be guardian or friend, not both. What's the game plan? You know me? More of a roll with the punches kind of girl. The ruler is not just any monarch. Leadership requires sacrifice for the greater good. I need a fight. We need a fight. They must be willing to give everything they have. We deserve a better future. She's my family. I would die for her. That's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Shake it, break it, make it bounce. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.